It has been my observation that most people get ahead during the time that others waste. Henry Ford. The average entrepreneur works over 60 hours a week. That's 20 plus more hours than the traditional nine to fiver. Are you using your time wisely? Hi, I'm Darby Masters, and you're listening to the I Make a Living podcast. Today's episode is on the topic of productivity, how and where people are most productive. There are 24 hours in a day, and if you're anything like me, you wish there were a couple more hours in your day to get all of the things done. But that's just not the case. So what's the best way to utilize the time that we're given? Workspace can make it or break it for some, and the more people I talked to about it, the more I realized how true that statement is. Later on, we'll hear from specific people and why they choose to work from home, a coffee shop, or a co-working space. But before we go there, it might be good to talk about setting yourself up for success daily. Morning routines, some of the most successful entrepreneurs swear by them. I would highly recommend to implement a morning routine of personal development so that you can become the person that you need to be to create everything that you want for your life. That's Hal Elrod. Hal is the best-selling author of the acclaimed book, The Miracle Morning. He was also a speaker at our last I Make a Living event in Austin. I couldn't think of a better person to join this conversation. He agreed to jump on a call with me and offered some great advice on morning routines. How you start the day and how you start the morning really sets the tone and the direction and the context for the rest of your day. You know, it's funny when you think about it, we like we all have these big goals and dreams and ambitions. And, you know, it's like we want to change our lives. But when the alarm goes off, it's like, yeah, I know I say I want a better life, but I'd rather lie here for nine more minutes unconscious. Right. And the alarm goes off again. You're like, yeah, you know, I want to go to the gym, but yeah, I can go tomorrow, you know. And so we literally start the day by accepting mediocrity for ourselves. So if you do what most people do, which I did my entire life, right, which is start the day with procrastination, and that is hitting the snooze button, right? That's a form of procrastination. And when you flip that and you start the day with a, you know, a focused, productive morning ritual, you are literally, by definition, you're becoming a focused, productive individual. And then that's who you are. And that's how you show up to the rest of your day. So if you have a productive morning, not checking Facebook, checking emails, right? But actually a growth-oriented, goal-oriented, productive morning, then you are equipped to be more productive throughout the rest of the day. We're fighting against a culture of procrastination here. So I have a deadline. It's next week. When will I get it done? Probably next week. From the time that we wake up to the time that we go to sleep, it feels like we're always pushing the bounds on time. Time seems to be managing us instead of us managing our time. There's a great quote or slash philosophy from John Maxwell. If you're an entrepreneur and you struggle with routine, John Maxwell says that the key to making changes in our lives, right, whether it's implementing a new habit or, you know, starting a new routine, whatever it is, is he said, you've got to act your way into feeling. Meaning, if we're sitting here thinking about doing something that is outside of our comfort zone or outside of our norm, we'll almost always resist it. Act your way into feeling. Do the routine, even if you don't feel like it. And by doing the routine, you will then feel like the routine because you'll experience the positive benefits. 
and do that long enough and it'll become your new norm. You'll get acclimated to the routine and then it'll become second nature. And once you begin a new routine, the beginning is always challenging. Then it gets easier and easier and easier. And eventually after, you know, they say 21 days, it becomes a habit. And then you don't have to think about it. You just become on autopilot and the routine now adds value to your life. And it takes very little discipline to keep it going. It only takes that acting your way into feeling to get it started. Let's not forget, we're talking about mornings here, not just routines. Morning routines. Some people just don't do mornings. You're not born a morning person. You're not born a runner, for example. Like I used to hate running and then I committed publicly to run this 52-mile ultra marathon. And then here's what happened. I started running every day. I committed to it. And at first I hated it. It was unbearable. And then it kind of gradually became less unbearable and just kind of uncomfortable. And then one day I woke up and I went out and I actually was excited to go for a run. And then it hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. I started running and I became a runner. (laughs) You start waking up early, you become an early riser. So waking up early and establishing a routine provides more opportunity for us to be productive. But there are other benefits as well. When you wake up and you do whatever your morning routine is, right? And you're learning and you're growing every morning, you're evolving yourself. Essentially, you are elevating your own consciousness. And what I realized is that by each of us individually elevating our own consciousness every day, the ripple effect of that is we, by default, simply by being who we are now becoming, by living in a more conscious way, we are now impacting the consciousness of every person that we come in contact with. Hal is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to morning routines. If you want to know more about him and maybe read one of his books, you can go to halelrod.com. Okay, so we've gone over helpful ways to set yourself up for success in the morning. But what happens after that? Does where you work affect your work output? Some people love being surrounded by others while they work. Others, quite frankly, they hate it. There are a lot of elements to consider here. Sound levels, familiarity, energy, helpful distractions, unhelpful distractions, strangers, friends, or just being by yourself. Preference of these elements varies from person to person, but why? I wanted to find out, so I set up a few interviews. What better way to get a feel for the benefits and challenges of your environment than to chat with individuals working from different places? I am a visual artist that mainly works with painting. That's Tiffany Wong. I went and visited her at her studio apartment where she lives and works. So you could technically work from anywhere. Why do you choose to work from your home? When I create, mainly with art, I like to be alone and that having people around me is really distracting and that it steals my energy from focusing on being really sharp to my intuition. And what's the number one thing that you love about working from home? The feeling and energy that my apartment has, which is really calm and it is really open. And I think that openness has to be there for me to create something that maybe I haven't thought about before or even open to being spontaneous in creating. And what type of things makes working from home a little bit more challenging? I think that when life gets really busy and I neglect house chores, 
it makes it really difficult to be working from home because my eyes would settle on the dishes not being done or the flooring is vacuuming or I need to, I don't know, get dish soap. And so how do you overcome that? I usually dedicate at least one hour before I actually get into my workflow to do all the things. And that's another good thing about having a small space is that cleaning up can be really quick because there isn't that much floor to vacuum and I don't have that many things in my small space. It's kind of teaching you to be more minimalistic. Mm-hmm. So Exactly. Does that help your work productivity? Yes. So I think that it's being intentional about why you have every little thing that you have and if it's serving a purpose. Because if it's easy for me to clean up, it's a lot easier for me to start working in a peaceful and productive atmosphere. For work productivity, if someone wants to be more productive in their workspace, what kind of tips would you give them? I think something that's helpful for me is to have a designated workspace. I don't work from my bed, and I rarely work from my couch. Also, I always have a really set routine before I jump into work. So I rarely just wake up and get coffee and then just work. I wake up and I slowly make coffee, and then I do my morning pages, which is kind of like journaling, and then I meditate, I get ready for the day, and then I work. The issue of distractions, that tends to be the biggest reason people don't work from home. But as Tiffany demonstrated, it can be done. The most productive way to work from home often involves routine and structure. And considering Hal Elrod's advice, the repetition of a routine would be the best place to start. My name is Renee Hanovit, and I am a Blue Diamond Wellness Advocate with doTERRA Essential Oils, and I educate people about living a healthier lifestyle. Location number two, coffee shops. So I've been working full-time for three and a half years. and For yourself? Uh, for myself, mm-hmm. yes, working three and a half years for myself, and have been doing primarily working from coffee shops during the entire time. I tried to work from home uh, primarily the first couple of months, and I realized from my personality type, not a good fit. Yeah, not a good fit. (laughs) And so what do you look for when you're scouting out a coffee shop? Or do you work primarily from one coffee shop? Um, I, I like change, so I tend to not be loyal to one. I'd like for there to be soft music playing. I do like people coming in and out because it just causes me to focus even more. Oh, interesting. I look for some place that has food options. So if I end up extending my stay, I have something to eat. Are you introverted or extroverted? I am a very interesting combo. Really? Yes. People, when they meet me, they feel like I am a really an extrovert, but I'm actually more of an introvert. Really? Yeah. In front of people, I can come across very outgoing, but I really value my alone time. I have a very small group of friends. I don't go to parties because I don't like engaging with a ton of people. So it's just very interesting. Yeah. Oh, that is incredibly interesting, especially since you work at coffee shops. Yeah. So where, how does that connect at all? You being introverted, but being surrounded by so many people. I can hide in a corner from a work standpoint and be really happy. And so not having to engage with people, not but having being around to, Exactly. Them. Being around people is important. Not having to engage with them is also important. <laughs> 
I understand that. <laughs> All right. So what is the most challenging thing about working from a coffee shop? Not spending a ton of money every single day, keeping that place in business, right? So I walk in, I grab a coffee. If I think about having food or maybe I want another coffee or snack, you can quickly spend $20, $25 every single day. And you think over a week, that could end up being $125 to $150. And when you look for a month, that's $600 a month that you've spent um, which, you know, again, that adds up. I mean, you're looking to over $7,000, if you think about it, from, on a year that you spend. And I, yeah, that's to me the biggest drawback is being conscious about what I spend. Is it all worth it? So like instead of coming out and spending money, you could potentially stay home. What makes it worth it for you? Because I get more work done. I feel like I am two to three times more productive when I work from a coffee shop than working from home. I can actually crush a project in a day, a day and a half that otherwise, honestly, from home might take me seven, 10 days to do. I mean, really and truly, I am that much more productive from a coffee shop. So the cost benefit analysis, it really is more cost efficient for me to work from a coffee shop than to work from home. A study back in 2012 led by Ravi Mehta of the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign showed that noise levels at 70 decibels, which is around the levels you'd get at a coffee shop, actually helps boost creativity in the brain. So there is something to Renee appreciating the soft music and the chatter of people around her. Background noise can help you be more productive, as long as it's at the right levels. Okay, so what are... I feel like people can walk and... Yeah. You can walk. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't want people to think they couldn't, like, walk here. And come around. <laughs> this is a co-working space, and we set up shop in the kitchen during lunch hour. So this interview will be me, Raquel, and a few other people walking around. Can you please introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Raquel Roman. I'm a social media manager. So I help small business owners and entrepreneurs have a social presence. Um, it's often the the thing that's maybe most important for the business or it's very important for them, but they just don't have the time to do it because they're doing 900 other things. It gets pushed to the bottom of the list. So I kind of just take that off the list for them so they don't have to think about it. And I manage that for them. When did you realize that you actually really work well from co-working spaces? So I would work from home a lot before I kind of decided I'm going to work from a co-working space. And it was the realization that I wasn't actually turning off because I didn't give myself a designated place to go to work. So when you get up in the morning and you just get straight into work and you work all day and then you work all night, like where's the time for you? It just, it didn't exist. And that doesn't help with like your productivity levels because I couldn't tell you what I got done that day where there wasn't like a nine to five. It was just wake up and go to bed. And then I also just wasn't interacting with people. And I feel like it's really important because I am a social media manager. I spend a lot of time like staring at my computer, but I am interacting with other humans. And I think that that like online and offline interaction kind of mimic each other. And so the better I am at like being out and kind of being social, it helps with my job. So yeah, I think I just, I felt weird when I wasn't around people. It didn't make me want to get work done. It made me want to take a nap or just <laughs> just like keep working and you think, this isn't living. Do you feel like you have a better handle on work-life balance because you work at a co-working space? Yes. Okay. Because when I'm here, 
this is where work gets done. And when I'm home, like I have to put, I don't always put it away. It's not always easy. But someone who works here actually put it a great way. He was like, I can go home and be a father and a husband. I'm getting to a point where I'm like, I can actually be a sister and a daughter and a girlfriend and a dog mom. And I can go home and just focus on on that. Okay, so you have a membership at a co-working space. I do. Which costs money. Yes. So I feel like that's probably the big hump for everybody is like, oh, I, like I could technically work from home and save money. What is, like what for you, what makes it worth it? The biggest thing was the fact that I just get so much more, though, than I would get at home. And I don't mean just in a productivity level. I mean, I've met people here who've literally walked my dog when I'm on vacation. I know people here that I go for drinks with. I know people here that'll house sit for me when I'm away. Or you literally don't get that from working from home. So to me, it was an investment, not only... It was like an... If you join a gym... Yeah, you could do a home workout, but like you're probably going to get a better workout if you like go and do something. And it's like, it's more of like a holistic approach to it to me. That's how I see it. I can, if I want to, bring my dog here and get him out of the house. I, we do really great stuff here. And I can't speak for every co working space, but we do a Monday morning meeting where we have our goals and we have things that we're asking for that we want help with. And we can help each other. We have, member lunches where they provide lunch and we sit and we talk and we eat. We have Friday nights where we go out and we go to the bar and we drink together and we share experiences. And like all of that to me is worth it. I rather have that community and have those friends and have a fulfilling life and contacts. I mean, most of the work that I've gotten since I quit my job has been because I worked here. I mean, how could I not see it as like a worthwhile investment? So tell me maybe what the most challenging thing is about working from a co-working space. Well, it's almost like the same thing because I'm very social and I have to make myself focus and, and know that this is a place that I come to work. So it's kind of almost all the same things where it's like, it's the great things about it, but it can also be a challenge. But that's more me like regulating myself. So it can be challenging to kind of... I guess, separate the two where I know I have to like, it's like, okay, Raquel, no more talking, sit and get work done. And I mean, for some people, it may just also be the amount of money, it could, you know, it could be a challenge. But yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is just making sure that I like come in and that I do stay focused and I don't completely turn it into like a social thing. <laughs> and do you have specific things that you do to get your head in the game? Yeah, headphones. I find a space where I am maybe further away from people I would generally talk to and I just stick in my headphones and I just, I like don't look up and I just get myself into the zone and I like start, I like write a list of what I need to do and I just, I get into like a mode or I go into a room and, <laughs> and just like don't look at anybody. The most common thing I came across while researching for this episode was that everyone is different. There are articles all over the place with tips, tricks, and hacks on productivity, like entrepreneur.com's What and What Not to Avoid, seven productivity hacks for entrepreneurs. One hack mentioned, 
using good old pen and paper instead of a digital device to write new ideas down. There's also Inc.com's eight essential productivity tips for the busy entrepreneur. One tip being, use time blocks. Give allotted time for specific tasks. A lot of these articles, they have some good points, but everyone is a bit different and how they are most productive also looks different. Hal Elrod is a huge advocate of morning routines, and I would say one of the reasons why morning routines has the potential to boost your productivity, it's because the Western working world is built for early starts. But maybe your mind and body are most energized and productive in the evenings. If that's the case, capitalize on that. You're the only one who can really know when you're most productive. The information that we've discussed in this episode are simply suggestions, not hard and fast rules. For example, all the interviews with people who work from different locations, it's pretty evident that what works for Tiffany would absolutely not work for Renee or Raquel, and vice versa. So if you don't know how you are most productive, now would be as good a time as ever to begin to figure that out. Start by waking up early. See if it helps. Set specific goals for your day. Does that give you energy to work towards something, or does it give you anxiety about it? Give yourself small breaks every two hours. Is it helpful or disruptive? Focus on one task at a time. Your brain can't easily focus on two things at once. What multitasking really is, is your brain switching from one thing to another at a very fast rate. So does multitasking help relieve the pressure of one big task so that you can get it done? Or does busy work give you an excuse to procrastinate? Again, only you can answer these questions. But in order to answer them, you'll have to go through a bit of trial and error. We'll link a few articles on productivity in the show notes. Start implementing a few at a time and see what works for you. All right, it's time for Center Stage, where we hear from you and you tell us what you're doing. Hi, my name is Michael Durr, and I make my living as a freelancing photographer, blogger, and podcaster. So the biggest challenge for me as a freelancer has really been amping up my business acumen and taking on more responsibility by assuming a lot of different roles and wearing a lot of different hats, right? Not only are you now the boss, and that's tough in itself because you have to hold yourself accountable, you got to be good at time management, you have to get results, right? But you also have to oversee every department in the company. So you are the legal department, you know, the marketing department, the R&D team, the accounting team. You're kind of the whole company. There's nobody else to hand that off to. So I think that's the biggest transition in mindset from hobbyist to professional is at one point as a hobbyist, all you're really concerned about is building a good portfolio. And now as a full-time photographer, you're thinking about how do I zero out this financial budget? How do I draft this contract so that the terms are uh, advantageous to both sides? You know, looking at the profits and losses data. So there's a lot more of the business acumen and more responsibility that you have to inherit. I think the thing that I'm the most proud of overall is just having a positive attitude through a lot of testing times because if you do freelancing for long enough, you're going to face some testing times. You're going to have some peaks and valleys, some highs and some lows. And uh, you know, I've seen markets contract, clients walk. Um, I've had competitors undercut me. There's a lot of areas there that you don't really have control over and you just have to kind of stay positive. So I'm very appreciative of the mindset that I have about that because I really enjoy freelancing. I really love the lifestyle that it is because I don't think of it as a job. It really is a lifestyle. I take it home with me. I think about it every day. I think about how to make 
my work better, how to get more clients, how to um, make the relationships with those clients better. And to be negative, to be cynical about, you know, the industry for what it has not provided is just a, a detriment to every artist, every photographer, every, you know, freelancer. So I, I'm just very appreciative and proud of the fact that I've gone through some adversity and maintained a positive outlook. My work can be found at michaeldurphotography.com. All my social media accounts are listed there as well as links to my YouTube channel, blog, and my podcast, which is called Media 1099. We're up on platforms like Anchor, Spotify, and iTunes with weekly content on creative freelancing issues. The I Make a Living podcast was brought to you by FreshBooks, the number one cloud accounting solutions for small business owners and their teams. To learn more and get an exclusive offer, go to freshbooks.com slash podcast. If you want to attend an event, go to freshbooks.com slash events. A special thanks to Hal Elrod for his insights on morning routines. Thank you to Tiffany Wong, Renee Hannibit, and Raquel Roman. You can find more information for all of our guests in our show notes. In honor of International Women's Day, we'll be doing a two-part series next month on feminism and intersectionality in the entrepreneurial world. So stay tuned for some inspirational conversations with amazing self-employed women. This podcast was made possible because of audio engineering and music composition by James Morris, co-production and direction by Paco Arismendi, and I'm Darby Masters. Thanks for listening to the I Make a Living podcast. podcast.